Hey, folks, this is the Trust in the Process podcast with myself, Travis Fritz, uh, brewer and owner at Old Nation Brewing Company in Michigan. Um, this is a podcast designed specifically for brewers and people interested in the beer industry, uh, but also folks that are just fans of craft beer and would like to meet some of the personalities involved in it. And today, I am delighted that we have one such personality in Joe Tucker, um, who was instrumental and kind of the, really the driving force behind Rate Beer, um, which is, if you don't know, uh, one of the websites and apps which people use to uh, do exactly what the name says, which is Rate Beer. Generally, uh, beers are divided into categories and subcategories, and styles which fit into those categories or subcategories are ranked uh, by anyone who would like to do so uh, and graded uh, most commonly on a zero to 100 scale. Uh, but oftentimes with a sort of five bottle caps or four stars or however the rating system works. Uh, but in my opinion, it has fundamentally changed uh, craft beer, how brewers look at craft beer, how consumers look at craft beer, um, frankly, the way that writers write about craft beer. Uh, all of this has changed, and I could not be more happy to bring you on, Joe. Uh, we've tried this before. We're now a video-less um podcast and uh i'm happy to get back into it with you and to introduce you to the folks who might be listening excellent thanks uh yeah so glad to be here travis and um thanks for that that uh wonderful intro of course i would say you've earned it um now we we've again everybody should understand that we went into this and did about 10 minutes of podcast before our internet out here in williamston uh stopped cooperating but to Go over a little bit of it again. Um, you, and I think we'll reorganize a little bit maybe. You came uh, into craft beer, uh, and I don't want you to date yourself unnecessarily, Joe, but to give a little bit of perspective, you came into craft beer. Um, what era would you say? I mean, in terms of, of, of the date. Oh, yeah. Well, um, your own. It's, an it's an interesting perspective in that, like, um, I guess the era that um, I, I mean, it was the '90s when uh, when I was um, kind of really getting into local craft beers in California and and Oregon, uh, where I kind of went to post college. But um, I mean, that era was one where the first waves of craft brewers were kind of setting up a lot where, you know, the brew pub model took off. And um, so rate beer was born at a time um, when a lot of that was collapsing. Um, it was really the doldrums after that wave had collapsed. Um, you still had survivors like, um, like Stone, um, Sierra, Sierra came on a little earlier, but yeah, it was uh, it was kind of in the doldrums of um, of that wave of of uh, craft brewing. You know, people people. I guess we used to refer to that derogatorily as brew by numbers. Yes, where yeah, you could you could download recipes from the internet, um, open your um, your brew pub, um, and just brew. A, some kind of darkish beer, some yep. kind of reddish beer, and yep. uh, you know, a couple Probably of wheat beer, maybe with fruit if you were going crazy. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> and that was that was it. 
um, simple times. And I guess, you know, that was the reason for the collapse is if it got that easy, then it wasn't going to work. Well, I, I, I spoke to uh, Mitch Steele uh, at length uh, for the podcast as a brewer who I hold in high regard. Um, He's as wonderful. Kind of, wonderful as a person and as a brewer. Um, and I think one of the interesting things we touched on, and I, 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 I'm interested to, to, to see what your perspective is on this, was um, I think we were talking about the time period around, you know, 1999-2000. Um, and even earlier, I would say, but but in that later part of the 90s, where it seemed like, again, as a brewer uh, or a brewery owner, uh, nascent or otherwise, it was enough to just have a brewery that made good beer, right? There wasn't any other, as you said, there were a few different styles. I mean, remembering for folks that don't, um, that this is before West Coast IPA was the phenomenon that it is now, right? Yeah. Um, when a West Coast IPA, the first time I had one, I was like, who would drink this, uh, you know, absolute homunculus? I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a crazy idea, right? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, that was normal. Uh, you know, I grew up in California and Washington sure. so, or, or, or uh, Oregon. So it was like, yeah, this, it was normal to us. Like Sierra and, um, you know, uh, Anchor, these types of bitter beers were just around right um and i think that, that yeah i i think that it, it from my perspective as a brewer in the early very early 2000s and and as a home brewer in the late 90s was that that you know of course there had been even here in michigan and i think in the midwest which is often slow to catch on to trends that start on the east or west coast um there had already been sort of that what for us was the first wave locally, but really the second wave of craft brewers in the 90s who had kind of crested and crashed. I mean, there were a ton of breweries that you find in gas stations here in Michigan that just shut down. And it seemed like it happened within the space of about a year. And it seemed like that was in between late 1998 and 2000. Yeah. And then yeah. a sort of resurrection of the scene slowly over the course of five or six years, which grew into... Uh, of course, what we have now that's been so heavily influenced by um, beer rating sites, I think, and, and, and the way that um, the customer's priority has changed. Maybe it hasn't changed, but there is an extant and palpable groupthink um, about beer that changes from year to year or era to era. Um, yeah. But it's much more consistent than when, when I'm putting words in your mouth here, but when I certainly... And I think a lot of us who have been doing this for a long time would read a Michael Jackson book, you know, and that would kind of be our perspective. He was a smart guy who took this really seriously. And if he liked Pilsner or Kel, then I would too, you know. Um, yeah. what, do you, what do you think about all that, kind of the change in brewers and, and how sites like Rate Beer have affected it? And if you'd like um, to kind of explain maybe first what you saw rate beer as initially and what it grew into. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, oh my gosh, it's such a neat topic. And that it's, um, uh, yeah, it, it really was what interested me. I mean, my background is in psychology and I, and I learned a lot about beer and books before I kind of tasted them. Thanks to Michael right. Jackson. Right. Um, 
And, uh, and so, yeah, when we made rate beer and I was also a home brewer. So like when we made rate beer, I changed the rating system to fit, uh, more closely to the, um, to the, the homebrew model. And, um, and then, you know, there were a bunch of homebrewers on the site and I just, uh, I guess I had a lot of respect for. Um, this international group of people was, uh, was Guinness. Um, oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but it, it's, um, uh, but yeah, I, I, we sort of got informed from all these different angles. There were obviously like industry on the site. Um, uh, yeah, quite a few brewers and we, and we, we sort of kind of put together this feedback system. I mean, that was what I was doing professionally before Rate Gear was getting, putting um, uh, sites, uh, big um, uh, internet websites in touch with their users um, through user testing and interviews and things, and then uh, working with engineers to, to improve those sites. And so um, I, I guess I sort of formed Rate Gear into that model uh, I knew that we we're going to be like um, providing feedback to brewers and things were going to kind of evolve from that. Um, the craft beer community was tiny and it was really human. Um, and like I said, you know, we had industry on the site. We're giving feedback all the time. Um, how do we make this better? One of the things I found <clears throat> really interesting when reading uh, some interviews that you had done and some really well-written ones, by the way, um were was the idea that care for um an honest outcome an outcome that wasn't uh, that is to say ratings being the outcome um yeah. an outcome that wasn't um <clears throat> that was as minimally influenced by um for example purposeful people coming in and saying you know I don't like the guy that owns that brewery so I'm going to rate all his beers uh, yeah. low um and I know I'm jumping ahead a little bit here, but I guess my point is, I don't mean to, um, my point is this was a methodical process that you were paying attention to and trying to optimize as often and efficiently as possible in order to re relate an honest outcome in review. By the way, as simple as, you know, how is this beer rated generally and how is this beer rated amongst its style partners? So yeah, maybe a simpler one, but that's fascinating to me. And I wonder, it seems like it must have been kind of overwhelming to keep it as fair as you kept it. What, what did that feel like? What was what was that like for you? Oh, I mean, that was um, it. Gosh, Uh I don't know if it was this version or last version of the show when we talked a little bit about just getting in touch with your audience. Like, um, sure. Uh, and I mean, this was my thing in usability, but like with brewers and sort of getting out there uh, and talking to people, my wife had, had encouraged me to get out from behind my computer and actually talk to people, talk to <laughs> brewers, because that's, you know, <laughs> it's what I do. So mm -hmm. I, um, you know, was talking with users of the site all the time. And um, it was just really good to talk to people from the industry, you know, in, uh, in breweries. Um, so I'd go on brewery tours and talk to people, talk to people about the site. Rate Beer wasn't universally known back then. 
And uh, it was, you know, I had the opportunity to talk to people about reindeer who didn't know about it. Right. Um, but yeah, I was kind of distilling all that feedback. And, um, you know, like uh, people know, we, we live in a smart, um, uh, generous, uh, um, uh, real um, uh, respectful uh, group of um, of. Uh, we have a really great group of people out there in the beer industry. So, um, so yeah, it kind of distilled that feedback um, and was open to all the criticism, you know, um, there was a lot of criticism of it in the early days. And um, I just sort of kept honing and kept honing. Um, yeah. Some of it was really painful. Um, well, I remember the, gosh, the first feedback, um, that I got, and this is, you know, you recognize it. I was trying to make, you know, a good, honest website and um, a good, provide good, honest feedback. And I think something that really stung was um, we, we'd started giving out these rate beer awards in 2002. I'd looked at it and said, you know, wow, we can probably develop, you know, meaningful awards from all this feedback. So, um, uh, after a while, it it had become apparent that everybody's attention was on the small Trappist brewery in Belgium um, right. called West Lederen. And um, so, uh, gosh, I think it was 2005, maybe, that um, uh, all of a sudden I, you know, we thought we were really tiny. That rate beer, no one paid attention to it. Um, that it was the same, you know, a uh, few thousand people that were coming to the site and, um, and then that's where we existed. Um, I'd never really seen right here much in print. Um, and then all of a sudden, um, we, we were on, um, Belgian TV, <laughs> um, and, uh, someone had caught a line of cars into, um, West Lederen because um, at this latest release, it was uh, it was um, a big deal because of Ray Beer. And um, there was a dramatic moment in the uh, um, in the uh, news clip where a fist fight erupted. and um, and so this got back to me um, uh, that uh, it was our fault that. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But there was a fist fight at a Belgian monastery. Well, yeah, and the, well, the, this fever, and right. you know this, you know this kind of craze was our fault, and that um, we should have provided a heads up or whatever. That was from Tim Webb, who's written books on on Belgian beer, um, English expert. Uh, yeah, he probably doesn't need much intro. Um, for your guests. Um, but yeah, that, that really stung that, I mean, his assumption was that we weren't really doing anything to recognize um, our potential harm. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I was trying to, after that, I was uh, trying to be a bit more careful, both about our, our numbers, uh, to be sure that we were uh, very careful with, uh, with the accolades we were delivering and then also with um, uh, with giving people heads up who might need it. Um, I know that kind of came back to us too, even years 
years later when small breweries would win and and then be overwhelmed suddenly yeah i mean i would i would uh, maybe chalk that up into the good problem to have category but certainly you know echoes of let's say festival organizers in the in the 60s and 70s who you know with all good intentions would put on these huge let's say woodstock um and you know in retrospect there seemed to be a lot of problems that they should have seen but no one had done that before i mean the impetus to do it didn't even exist so yeah um i wonder um i wonder if that if that might resonate to you and, and another another issue that i think this dovetails into or, or maybe topic is um so as a brewer who was brewing um is the topic would be ego here i suppose um, from beer writers, uh, maybe, and uh, and brewers as well, who were used to having some hegemony on what the opinions of the consumer should be, if that makes sense. So uh, to put it in context, I know that, you know, I, we talked a little bit about, uh, you know, I had experience in, uh, in, in, in Germany. I, I went to school there and I became a brewmaster there as a, as a very young man and then came back to the States and was able to work under uh, Pierre Sellis and Jean-Luc Seiss and, and just all these great Amazing. brewers. Yeah, it was uh, lucky, right place, right time, you know, and right ability to speak a foreign language that I never needed to learn, I guess. But um, but uh, in any event, I, the, the people who had trained me were essentially from the perspective of, you know, tradespeople and therefore um, you know, all felt as though they were the final word on what good beer was, right? Right. Um, and the overwhelming sense that I got from all the masters under whom I worked and, and, and folks who trained me uh, and, and, and therefore myself was um, this shouldn't be taken away from brewers, right? Um, yeah. If this gets taken away from brewers, then what we're going to have is just a cavalcade of folks who have no training, no experience, no ability flooding into the market. And, you know, whatever catches folks' attention will be um, the new greatest beer as opposed to whatever is fundamentally the greatest beer. In, from the perspective of now, that sounds really primitive and short-sighted. But I wonder, because it was so intense, that kind of pushback against these sites for me and the, and the brewers I was around, at that time, I wonder if that trickled up to you, or if it just came to you as kind of a tinny distaste from from brewers about this issue of, of beer rating sites generally. Or how how did you experience that? Wow, yeah, that was. I mean, um, my interest in usability, um, website usability, came when um, I was at CNET, which is. Uh, we used to be a big deal in San Francisco. I, I kind of left the software company to go work at, uh, in, left the kind of game company in, in Oregon to go work and, um, in the internet in San Francisco at, at CNET, which was like one of the, the main sites on the internet back then. And um, uh, so we built a lot of websites there. And what we realized pretty quickly was that nobody could use them or they weren't using them in the way that we intended. And um, the designers would make pretty stuff and the, the engineers would kind of build the website as they saw fit. And um, engineers aren't really good at understanding 
you know, what we were running into was that the, the creator, the person who was making things, was not really um, real great at intuiting what their customers wanted. So, um, right. so I really had that kind of, um, you know, it was, I felt that from the other side as a creator, yeah. that, um, that what I wasn't doing wasn't, um, wasn't working. And, but the answer was talking to that consumer. And so, yeah, that's the way we built rate beer was by talking to people who were using rate beer. And I felt you know, there was this almost religious idea that brewing could be better by putting brewers in touch with their consumers, you know, warts and all. Um, also, maybe it was this almost political thing for me as well, which is um, uh, which is kind of revolutioning, uh, democratizing rate beer, democratizing um, ratings. I mean, at the time, there were very few other rating sites. Um, rate beer was one of the first, like doing it right. That um, and, and I'm, you know, sounds real arrogant, but um, but I only like uh, started, you know, I put a lot of effort into just the rating system. Talk to uh, mathematicians, statisticians who are way smarter than me to help me code it. And um, uh, gosh. Um, it was Scientific American, uh, kind of magazine I, I loved reading as a kid, um, that published an article on Rate Beer's rating system, comparing us favorably to um, eBay and Amazon. So I, uh, it was really cool. We, um, yeah, it was neat validation for all the work we put into it. But yeah, we we were trying really hard on just creating a good rating system. And 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 fair, uh, as as I know we've I know we've talked about, yeah. Um, which, you know, it took me to give a personal anecdote again. I guess um, it took me a long time to understand. Well, frankly, if I'm being honest, I you know probably was exposed to Ray Beer again to maybe 2006 or so, mm -hmm. um, and you know the way I was exposed to it was I was working at a pub in Detroit um making you know whatever beer i was interested in making that folks would drink right i mean there was that interaction and i think at a pub basis you know it's sort of hyper localized you're worried about who's coming in and drinking your beer and what it yeah, is yeah yeah um which is interesting i think particularly for a professional brewer that that, that that was trained in one um style grouping to 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 spread themselves out and that used to be able to happen over the course frankly of a of a career um but in any event, I'm, I'm, I'm there in the pub and, you know, it was my want to stay after quite often and pour beer for people or maybe have one with some folks. And um, little by little, I saw people coming in with notebooks. Um, and again, this is before, you know, smartphones. So, yeah. um, you know, they would be coming in with notebooks and they would be furiously kind of writing. And you'd see that occasionally before this time, but not anywhere near as frequently um, as I began to see it. And so interacting with those folks and saying, listen, you know, I, I notice a lot more of you are doing this. Why, why are you doing this? Um, and that was how I got introduced to Ray Beer. They were taking notes to go uh, upload them onto Ray Beer as ratings. And, um, you know, at, stupidly as a brewer, I, pro I pushed back on that for 10 more years, right? Um, yeah. 
I'm not going to pay attention to untapped or raid beer or any of that stuff. I know what I'm doing. I'm going to do it well. People will accept it, all that kind of stuff. Real dumb, real starving artist. Uh, cost myself and a lot of other folks a lot of money. Um, but then we released in 2016 uh, after, you know, I'd opened up Old Nation as a, you know, pretty big, you know, 10,000 barrel uh, brewery making, you know, traditional styles. I thought it was time for those to come back. I'd seen it happen on the West Coast and the East Coast. And, yeah. you know, what what followed was a resounding thud. The beer was good and nobody cared, right? Yeah, yeah. So how do I fix this, right? So I went on to these Facebook groups, these beer enthusiast groups. I lurked there for months trying to figure out what it was that they were talking about that I could do as well as or better than anyone else and stumbled upon New England IPA. And I will tell you this, my opinion on beer rating sites uh, practically shifted almost overnight because what we got was instead of people saying, why are these people so boring? Uh, saying, oh my God, this is the most incredible thing I've had. You have to go buy it. Um, yeah. and, you know, and, and 10X business within, you know, five months. Um, but it became for a while for me, and I think for a lot of other brewers, and this is really my point, um, and a lot of other brewers who had luck uh, on these sites to begin to think about how to manipulate them to our own benefit, which I think is bad for craft beer. Um, and that is to say, you know, everyone at that time, 2016 was making New England IPA and uh, everyone was changing one or another hop, changing the label and then making, you know, a hundred grand on a release. And yeah. it, was easy. it felt like you were getting away with something. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, so we we stopped doing it um, because wow. I just I didn't feel like it was right. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Um, I wonder how that kind of. OK, so this is an isolated anecdotal story that I just told you, I guess. But how how does that resonate to you? Do you see that and do you think that it matters? I guess is my question to you. Oh, gosh. I mean, man, I, um, I mean, the, 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 the tough thing about producing anything is that you're kind of doing it in an environment with, um, with customers, right? They're, they're, you got to make money at this stuff. Sure. Yeah. It, um, yeah. I mean, although we, <clears throat> we love our, crafts i mean we um uh we love what we make as creators there uh there has to be somebody who <clears throat> who pays us for it um typically um and um so yeah it's i don't know how many brewers that i talked to um that uh that went through a similar path where they're like uh, no we just aren't gonna make ipa um we're just not going to do it. And, um, you know, I, if I would talk, you know, I talked to some of those brewers before they started and said, you know, you might do one IPA, right. Um, just to help pay the bills. Um, you got bills right now it, you might, you know, just put one, start with one. And a lot of those have turned into IPA brewers. Um, <laughs> uh, but, um, it's, Gosh, there was a story that I'd read about um, David Byrne from the Talking Heads um, yeah. and how the biggest kind of change 
he started it. Uh, he was like, you know, one of these art, uh, art school band type guys. And um, uh, when he learned after a taste of success that um, he should think about himself as an entertainer, you know, it was both uh, yep. a blow to, to his ego, but at the same time, you know, well, uh, turned him into a professional artist. And, and uh, with a guy like David Byrne, you can see that he took that upon himself. He took it upon himself as a challenge to do that as well as possible. I don't know if you saw his HBO special that he did not too long ago, a year ago or so. Um, but an absolute titan uh, yeah. of what it is that he does. I mean, I don't know how you could do that better. But he's doing his own thing, right? Yeah, he's yeah there's a sense that he, and I think we're talking about brewers too, maybe he, he may be doing his own thing that no one else could quite do, but it's clear watching and listening to him that anyway, nobody could do it better. Right. It, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, you know, it, it, a lot of those brewers that I talked to about making an IPA, you know, they'd, they'd always say, but, Oh, there's already, everybody's already making IPA. Why would they want IPA from me? And it's like, well, everybody's take is different you know there um there's room for for right. limitless ipas right and you know I, I guess consumers think about it as why would you open a pizzeria without a pepperoni pizza <laughs> um and so it and it sort of works the same way at the till i mean it's um uh unfortunately uh, yeah, there are um, people who get away with it, but uh, but but yeah, those the general rule is is hey, we're we're here with consumers, and you got to give them what they want. So yeah, I I think you know generally I'm pretty conflicted about about this. It it sort of um, uh, I feel the the, um, the need for freedom from that, um, and the uh, the ability to sh kind of shape. Um, what's going on from the other direction instead of uh, kind of, you know, doing what you can to, to game it from, uh, from just like uh, giving people what they want to, to being able to shape it with new, by opening their eyes to new flavors and new um, ideas. Right. Um, uh, I like that creative and a little uh, a little more but um it's important to pay the bills <laughs> it is but i mean it also is the difference i think we're talking about here to bring it back to, to to music even and and keep it in the same lane is the difference between let's say the talking heads and britney spears right right um, right right that's there i mean you can you can put some different labels on the talking heads but talking heads anymore are a pop band right um yeah and Britney Spears is also a pop artist, I guess, mm -hmm. and and uh, you know they're they're serving a lot of the same people, uh, quite often, um, but one is clearly concerned about how they do what they do and to what end, and the other maybe not so much, right? Um, yeah. and, and I think it's always been incumbent upon brewers to do that, whether rate beer exists or not, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, I think that what rate beer and 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 sites like it, apps like it, might have done, um, is to speed up that uh, that the the normal evolution that was there, and make that responsibility from a brewer's perspective of uh, progressing and identifying yourself and 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 being as good as you can be and spreading out and finding niches that you can fill uh, much more rapid, right? 
Um, and to, to trades people, I think like me who, you know, came into the industry as a German trained brewmaster with no real perspective on American craft beer at all. It's frustrating, right. Uh, to have to keep up with everything. And you feel like quite often as a brewer, uh, I don't mean to turn this into a therapy session, but as a brewer, um, you don't have as much time as you'd like to examine a, a certain style, for example, or a certain method of brewing or a certain traditional technique um, or a certain something new. You kind of just have to ditch it and move on to the next thing, which is frustrating. But I don't think the fundamental fault there is, you know, rate beer or untapped or, or beer advocate or whatever. I think what those sites did again was just speed up that process of evolution of the individual brewer um and it's my sense that that's generally the pushback from brewers to these sites is that at the core of it it's a frustration that that they just can't take their time with stuff anymore um yeah you know i don't know if that yeah yeah, I'm all in on the therapy session there. I, <laughs> you know, I, I've um, it, it really has uh, sped up the evolution of um, sort of uh, catering to like as people craft beer grew and people were fighting for um, oh, like to expand the number of because um, the whole idea way back when was. So we'll just um, make good craft beer, and because it's much better than other options, uh, we don't. You know, rising tide floats all boats. We will. Yeah. We'll just increase the tide, and um, more people will jump on, and uh, we'll all be good. But after a while, um, that stopped working, and people wanted to appeal to a greater number of people, and so beers got sweeter. Um, candy, fruit started coming in, and um, yeah. At what point do you say, especially as a, someone who appreciates, you know, great Belgian, great um, German um, beer, heck, great um, uh, early American craft beer? Um, when do those worlds start to diverge? Um, right. when are we in a whole, whole new world? And I, you know, gosh, I'm old, I'm over 50. And, um, so this, there's this whole, uh, I feel like I'm in a different world altogether. And, um, uh, just cause I'm old, but, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, but yeah, there's this, when I go out to drink beer, I, I realize, Hey, there's this brewery over here and they make things that just don't feed my soul. Um, yes. And then there's this place over here that, um, you know, I'll sit with a beer and, um, and feel it up to like over 50 degrees. And it's still making those great aromas that take me back. I mean, that um, it's awesome that that kind of brewing still out there. Yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, the stuff when I go into a grocery store and look at the myriad of choices there, um, gosh, even at a place at like Whole Foods, which used to have kind of upper tier commercial stuff. Um, I mean, it's mostly just, boy, it's like sugary, yeah, sweet things that, um, uh, that 
uh, you know, are pasteurized so they don't explode <laughs> on the shelf. And it's like, wow. Well, right. And I, I think in order to, in order to bring as many folks as possible into, and I think it's funny that you bring up, uh, you know, feeling old, um, because I think that's endemic in brewing right now. I mean, I think a lot of the people in positions of command within breweries and in the industry generally um, have, including myself, have aged out of, um, not relevance, but have aged out of um, a, a, a consistent awareness of how, um, you know, the folks they're selling beer to uh, actually think and what it is that they want. So for example, um, you kind of intimated this. I'll expand on it. If you disagree with me, please say so. But um, it seems like in the last, let's say, 10 years, again, these dates are all arbitrary because different parts of the country start at different times. But yeah. for the last 10 years or so, the driving force behind a lot of what salespeople call innovation in brewing um, has been to make an effort to make beer taste like something that is not beer, right? Yeah. Uh, um, whether that be, as you say, sweet, uh, a lot of fruit, uh, whether it's, you know, Vietnamese cacao nibs and, you know, South Asian cinnamon, whatever it is. Um, and, I, and I think, by the way, that kind of exploration is fantastic. Um, yeah. But I also think that there, you know, as a brewer, of course, I'm going to have my hill to die on. And that hill is, um, you know, there there has to be an idea of what beer has been just to have perspective on how beer as a beverage serves humanity to the extent that it does, right? Yeah. Um, that it's a blue collar beverage. And if you dress it up too much, you know, I think you really do need to be careful. And by the way, I just sold, you know, whatever, 10,000 case equivalents of a strawberry flavored version of my flagship beer, which is a New England IPA. So I'm talking out of my ass a little bit here, but, um, you know, again, I think that, that that it's more where the industry of craft beer is, that it's in this weird middle ground. It's not anywhere near as big as the larger breweries still. And there's this yeah. long tail of small breweries that aren't making much beer really at all. Um, and we find ourselves kind of, you know, as mid-tier breweries like Old Nation is kind of crushed on both ends um, mm. as to what to do. And I will say that looking at rate beer, really rate beer particularly, for me at least, is a good place to go get insight because it seems to me like, and I know you don't have as much skin in the game as you used to. I'm not telling you this to, to pay a compliment necessarily, but I think it, it, it bears saying that rate beer is still, and I think it's a function of having been one of the first or the first, a place where you can go and get relatively considered feedback on your beer. Um, as a brewer. And I think that customers uh, as well can look at a site like Rate Beer and to some extent Beer Advocate um, as places to go and get relatively well-considered perspective on beer. Um, I would say that apps like Untapped, for example, I hate, I hate to put it this way, but I can't think of another way. Maybe you can think of a better way. Maybe democratize this whole thing a little bit too much, <laughs> right? Um, yeah. Two stars, Matt, I don't like lager. Yeah, that's not as useful as a review you might get on some of the other sites. So I don't want to put you in a position where you are, you know, denigrating uh, any other uh, app or rating system. Um, 
but I do feel like this whole evolution that we were talking about sped up even more after the introduction of Untapped. Um, and yeah. as a pretty primary way people buy their beer, um, Untapped has become, you know, made it even weirder. And I wonder if uh, if that's something you've talked to anyone about or got any feedback on before. Yeah, it's sort of, um, you know, um, Reit Beer had kind of developed an identity as the sort of geeky place to go. Um, and we attracted that kind of group um, for better, for worse. Um, I realized that um, it was hindering us paying the bills like uh, that, it, you know, I'd spent all this time with feedback from this group and um, we had formed this kind of geeky um, insular uh, culture and um, it made it harder for people with more popular tastes to come and enjoy the site. Um, it was just geeky. We had more you know, like graphs and um, people spoke more. Um, uh, we encouraged people to get educated and um, uh, had resources available for that, links. And um, uh, yeah, it sort of turn some people off. So um, uh, I, I kind of realized where we were and, and that maybe somebody who could reach a wider audience would, uh, would be a lot more successful. And eventually, yes, that came along. That happened. Um, and, uh, but yeah, like, like you, yeah, I, I, I sort of saw the same thing. It was, it was really neat that uh, the rate beer crew was like, um, they were still, um, uh, they were still, um, providing great feedback. I think we were, we were producing quality ratings and the number one beers on the site weren't things that you could buy in a Seven Eleven. So, um, uh, yeah, I mean, which huh. has happened. It does. It does. Well, I mean, but you know, rate beer could, uh, could live and die in my opinion on the fact that West Letteran was, uh, your first sort of for, foray into popularity. I mean, at least it was a brewery deserving of the trouble. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> that was tough, though. It sounds like that was painful. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, from so many angles, it was, uh, yeah. It was this, uh, gosh, because I guess that got us media attention as well. Right. Um, that was the first sort of cnn money did an article on rate beer and uh and so um that was like oh my god you know people are listening to us and um uh after that um there was a lot more uh international media attention to rate beer and and it sort of solidified this um idea of what we were and also kind of isolated us in that like oh you know, the top 50 of the top 50 beers on your site, you know, I, I can't get, you know, any of them or right. I can get one of them and I have to stand in line for a day to, to do that. I mean, right. Right. Um, so yeah, it, it's, uh, yeah. With that kind of geekiness and, um, popularity kind of, <laughs> kind of, it was this weird thing that, um, yeah, this confirmation that, yes, you guys are uh, insular weirdos <laughs> in the world. I, uh, you know, I should have organized this a little bit better, but uh, I think because we 
we had a little uh, technical difficulty in the beginning. Um, there, there's some stuff that I missed, and I want to go back to, um, I want to go back to your experience with 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 Ray Beer. You talk about, um, you know, you you just said um, that there was some international influence, and I wonder if you have any perspective on how genuinely international that was, and maybe you know, impressive numbers about how many breweries and beers had been raided. Um, were you, you know, were people interacting in different languages? I mean, how widespread did this, did this become? Yeah. When, um, gosh, when I came to rate beer and I'm not sure if I'd gone over that this time or not, but, uh, it wasn't my site. I, um, uh, and the group there at rate beer was, um, I guess most prominent, prominent was, uh, the most common raider raiders, um, were a guy from Sweden, um, Pierre and, uh, Josh from, uh, Canada. And so I guess Philly beer was up there too, from Philadelphia, obviously. Yeah. Um, so it was kind of an international group to start with. So we, um, as we developed the site, we, we kept in mind that people were speaking different languages, that um, people, you know, were drinking very um, different beers and beer types, that they had different ideas about beer styles. So yeah, that was something that uh, started at Rate Beer from the very beginning. And um, I love that about Rate Beer. And um, it was something that I tried to, um, tried to, uh, appreciate always and, and always accommodate um, the the varied cultures around the world. And in the way you were interacting with the site was, um, I mean, is it fair to say you were kind of its architect, its engineer? I mean, you had you wore wore many hats and and had quite a job, is what it sounds like to me. Oh gosh, yeah. So um, yeah, I started doing work for the site. Um, I guess a year after it was produced and then, um, it, it, well, it was started and then, um, yeah, pretty much it changed all the code. Um, and they gave me the site about a year and a half later. And, um, that was, yeah, so it was doing, doing pretty much everything, um, all the design and then ultimately like, um, incorporating it as a business and all of that after it took off after this hobby like um became a thing that needed support so, so yeah you're 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 involved you, you kind of have your head in the machine a lot it seems like and 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 more than just your head in the machine the interaction with the with the consumer uh is you know was so crucial to you and the idea of fairness and and all of these kind of things i wonder in all of that how often it seems like it would be important to you after I've spoken to you for about an hour. Um, but important or not, how often did you have the opportunity, if ever, um, to kind of to kind of pull your head out of that machine and look at things like, um, you know, geographic differences in taste or tendencies of one group or another to appreciate maybe one style or another or one brewery or another? was was did you have an opportunity to do much of that or was it one of these things where you're just kind of building it working on it building it working on it building on it working on it and then eventually um eventually i, I suppose selling the company which i'd love to, to have you talk about as well if you'd like 
Yeah, yeah. I um I mean it's um gosh. Uh yeah, I was talking to people and building and my wife really encouraged me to just get out and talk to people. And that um you know uh, with that came travel and, um, yeah, that was, that was something that really, um, kind of opened my eyes to, um, uh, to different tastes, um, different ideas about beer. Um, uh, and some were quite surprising. I remember, um, going to a, an IPA test, uh, tasting back East and they were, I mean, I'd already gotten the kind of reception of these great new American IPAs. Gosh, I took um, some Great Divide, um, uh, some Bigfoot uh, from uh, Sierra, and um, gosh, this was right after, um, gosh, I'd had a facto, if you know what that is, um, Mm -hmm. in rape beer lore. Uh, a facto is when you take a um, a special release beer that's like tap only, and you put it in uh, you you fill uh, a, a bottle with it and cap it on premise. Looks super bad. Don't ever yes. do that. Please but don't. Way back in the day, um, this was the way that you got um, amazing beers out to the world from um, from breweries of uh, like new breweries that were. Um, blowing people's minds in your local area. So, uh, gosh, uh, Three Floyds uh, came out and uh, we got these samples that were factoed at the brewery and shipped out via air. And um, I took a couple of these to England and um, I remember several people just going, this is undrinkable. This is this is complete madness. And yeah. um, you know, this is, it's abusive. Um, yeah. They, they, yes. they were, yeah. They, they, there were a lot of just great reactions that I was getting right there. And um, that was, uh, that was amazing. So yeah, I, um, uh, I, I tasted a bunch of um, IPAs. I think it was in Pennsylvania around the time, the same time. And was like, wow, none of these are IPAs. Like, right. <laughs> Uh, you know, what, what's considered bitter here is very, very different. Um, everything was kind of, uh, bittersweet. Uh, yeah. uh and so it was more sweet to my taste and the mouthfeel because of that was extremely different. They were yes. thick and, um, heavy and, um, yeah. So it, yeah, it's, uh, that was an amazing period. Um, and it was before, you know, a lot of, there were no craft brewers were very few craft brewers that were, um, that were selling in between States. I mean, that's, uh, and uh, not a lot of, um, people traveling. I guess that was a cool thing about rate beers. It was a big hit among people who traveled for, um, their work. And so they were able to go in between different places and compare beers, um, that were uh, that were otherwise kind of not being compared to um, beers in other places. I remember, uh, I don't know, maybe 2002, um, sitting down with a uh, a, a few uh, bottles of Pliny 
and a few bottles of Two Hearted um, from Bell's, uh, of course, here in Michigan. And, uh, you know, Two Hearted and Pliny still, uh, you know, uh, monoliths almost within uh, within craft beer, but very, very different to your point. Um, interesting to me, and I probably, you know, I, I know that I made this up. I'm, I'm sure that it doesn't really have a, as much of a touchstone as I feel like it does, but, um, you know, that uh, Pliny is a beer I would drink if I was in California where it's hot. <laughs> and, um, you know, as simple as Two-Hearted being a beer that I would expect to drink uh, up here in the north where it is often quite cold, it seemed uh, because I was uh, raised as a brewer uh, in the perspective that, you know, regionality and differences in water sources and climate um, were extraordinarily important to the development of individual styles. They're practically necessary. Um, yeah. That 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 had, and again, I, I'm, I'm putting that on this. It probably had nothing to do with it at that time. I mean, you know, heating exists and all that now, but, um, you know, that these regional differences may have expressed something uh, innately about the folks that were drinking these beers. Um, oh my gosh, yeah. You know, that a Pliny may not have done that well in Michigan, right? Um, yeah. Without being Pliny, right? And having that kind of fanfare around it. Um, but yeah. that Two Hearted did. Um, and there are so many variables that go into that. I understand it's a it's a, it's a a minimalist perspective, but um, still, I, I, you know, I, I, I think, I think those kind of, Thoughts and 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 those those kind of thought exercises maybe um, uh, don't happen quite as much anymore, right? It's the internet culture, and so yeah, um, you know everything is available all the time. And I wonder how important that was to beer, and if it's really been lost, and uh, and if so, does it matter? You know, th those kind of things are what we think about a lot. Yeah, uh, uh, Travis, I that's a really interesting topic and something that uh, gosh. On my radio show, I met this uh, guy that was, uh, so we're talking like late uh, 20-teens um, in Santa Rosa. I met a chef who came out to the, um, Sonoma County from from back east, and she, she was talking about how um, it, there is really a, uh, there's different flavors that, um, a different palate that mm -hmm. she's cooking for, that, that wines, um, people drink their coffee bitter on the West Coast versus where she was from in the Northeast. And um, they uh, they drink their, uh, they uh, their wines are, um, uh, are tart or um, uh, more tannic. And, um, and so, yeah, there's this more, uh, it's just, generalized but um there tends to be this uh more of an appreciation for bitter um and less so with sweet out west versus uh, where she's from and um uh so i think you know there was this weird uh gosh there's actually a uh an idea that uh, physiologic physiologically people are um, who are more into um, exploration um, sure. are also more appreciative of bitter, and that um, the kind of Western movement of uh, of folks um, in the U.S. was propelled by these explorers or explorer types yeah. who ended up um, being more appreciative of bitter, 
And there are records of this going back to um, the 1800s, the gold rush, when people um, in travel magazines reported on the the bitter, very bitter flavor of um, of uh, San Francisco beer. Huh? Yeah. Now, I'm I'm sorry that it took us an hour to get to this, Joe, because this is where the podcast is, man. This is this is great. right on. Um, so. You know, I, I, I think back on, you know, my buddies who still work as brewers and professors and masters that I had um, in Germany and going back there, you know, let's say in 2012 and bringing uh, some examples of American beer and knowing that these guys were going to hate it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, my own examples, which at that time were firmly traditional. I think I was making an alt, alt beer and a Pilsner on the market. Um, and then a stout that we put chocolate in for a popular chocolate company out here and whatever. Uh, and then, you know, uh, whatever I could get my hands on. So, you know, Two Hearted, Little Founders, uh, some stuff from the West Coast. I think Firestone Walker. Um, I think they were making Pivo pills at that time. Anyway, so I brought all this stuff over there and I sat down with, you know, a bunch of us had gotten together at a buddy of mine's house in Berlin. And uh, we were sitting around you know, just shooting the shit. Here's these beers, guys. You you should, I want you to try them. It was an obligation to them, clearly, to do so. Um, and, but they did. And uh, I remember the most impactful, I mean, you know, a lot of grimaces and whatever, but I remember the most impactful comment uh, was from a buddy of mine who said, you know, he, he, was, he was talking about how he was struggling to talk about it. And he said, you know, I, 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 I struggle to find anything fundamentally wrong with the execution of these beers. But the question I have for you is, why does it have to be so goddamn loud, right? <laughs> American. <laughs> right. And I was like, well, why does that have to be so goddamn loud? It comes from the United States, man. That's why. Yeah, you know, yeah. and this is all a bunch of, they're, oh, oh, you guys, you know, and all this bullshit. But uh dovetailing i think into 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 what you had just said about these regional differences and these i i you know of course what you're talking about is much more innate but even these cultural differences between europe and, and the united states which everyone could probably intuit and imagine um yeah i've noticed that uh one of the styles that um let's say the the nascent craft brewing community in western europe particularly germany have glommed onto is New England IPA, which is, you know, makes again intuitive sense because it's a popular style. But the consumer in Germany, from buddies of mine who, who run craft breweries over there, is much more in tune with that style for reasons I can totally understand. And the perspective yeah. of those brewers is look, man, it's drinkable. It's clear what the goal of the beer is, right? Yeah. Which is to showcase hops. Yeah. Um, it's visually striking. Um, yeah. And it's easily consumable in the kind of quantities Germans tend to drink beer, right? Exactly. Um, so, of course, it would work. West Coast IPA is not that to them. Right. Um, yeah. And so, I, you know, this is a statement, not a question, but I wonder how that resonates to you and if I can get you talking about this stuff even a little bit more. Oh, yeah. I mean, um, the, you know, the whole idea about like bitterness and, and uh, exploration is a little kind of um, uh, it's a little kind of a wild speculation, but it's, uh, uh, I think something, um, the, 
the origin of the New England IPA as um, a solution to this um, that problem uh, of um, bitterness not being not working for the New England market, um, that drier bitterness of West Coast um, uh, IPA. That that's I think less speculative, and that's um, you know I was telling you about those. Uh, beers in Pennsylvania that I was drinking that I didn't think were IPA that were bittersweet because um, the the solution before New England IPA was let's just balance bitterness with sweetness and then people will like this stuff right and that didn't that didn't really fly no uh, so the solution the New England IPA was really a solution to that problem um, where you can take something from hops the aromatic component uh, minimize the bitterness. Um, you don't have to have so much sugar then. Um, and uh, you could have something that was uh, pleasing. And, um, and you know, different hops came around too for this too uh, yes. as well. So you have like, you know, uh, hops with mango and citrus expressions together versus, you know, pine and... Um, and you know dankness uh yeah. things that weren't as popular um sure. but but uh but yeah it's uh it's uh, the new england ipa solved that problem the west coast ipa problem this has been my perspective too and another um another offshoot i, I think uh or another part let's say of that evolution which of course doesn't mean that new england ipa precludes west coast ipa or or anything it's just that there, there's a there's a pretty clear progression. Um, we saw in uh, I, I wonder about your perspective about this. We had seen um, New England IPA do well. It did well for us, um, obviously. It still does, um, and we had seen almost immediately West Coast brewers come back with Brute IPA, right? Yeah, which addressed a lot of the same issues that New England IPA did but from what was to me a very clearly west coast perspective right um that now this is not bitter it still has these floral disco hops that we're using in the New England IPAs mm -hmm. um uh but is uh you know so dry um and uh, you know the 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 sweetness that is implied in the flavors of these newer hops these the flavors of tropical uh, you know sort of mango and, and and what have you are again implying sweetness to the drinker uh without any actual sweetness being there um and the potential for that style i think was unlimited when it first came out i think unfortunately a, a lot of brewers didn't approach it from that perspective the perspective of an evolution from new england ipa into yet another thing but rather, this beer is supposed to be dry. How can we make it super dry? And that was pretty much it, right? Um, I, I don't know if you were paying attention to all that when it happened, but I, I saw that again as a kind of an offshoot of that evolution uh, that the West Coast turned into New England. It's interesting that you tie those two together. I didn't, uh, I didn't see it at the time, but I can certainly see it now. That um, that yeah, people were trying to reclaim that that sort of. Um, that West Coast dryness, but uh, and with the uh, with the kind of um, new availability of uh, such a, a wide array of hop um, aromatic hops, uh, but yeah, it's uh, 
um, I, I guess the 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 problem that that uh, I saw uh, uh, these uh, brewed IPAs have was just that no one it just seemed that no two brewers were making them similar from a from a profile right. perspective. So the consumer right. was really confused by what they were actually shooting for. Um, I, I've heard, you know, if it was like a champagne beer that people were shooting for, well, uh, you know, I, I've tasted uh, very, uh, you know, few that hit the mark, but, um, but yeah, it was, uh, it, it was an interesting phase. And, uh, I guess it was a solution that, um, that several brewers targeted in different ways and kind of hit different things. You know, we, we, we talked about brood a little bit. Um, and if you feel like you finished your thought, uh, then we can kind of move on and we'll, we'll, we'll get to, yeah, we'll get yeah. to wrapping it up. Okay. Um, so, uh, I, you know, the one, the one last thing I wanted to touch on here were these, um, again, I think that West Coast IPA, New England IPA, Brute, let's say, for the sake of this conversation, um, were sort of uh, intuitive progressions of one style as it matured and evolved, right? Um, but then you have these, these styles that are clearly devised by marketing departments, right? Um, so let's say, for me, an example of those styles was in the mid-2000s, uh, the Cascadian Dark Ale, right? Um, an unnecessary style almost completely, I think. Not that there weren't people that were doing it as well as it could be done, but the idea of the astringency of the dark malt and the bitterness of the hop, and I, I never had one that really rang true to me, which may be what we're talking about with the Brute IPAs as well. Um, I know there are a lot of other styles like that, and I know you were paying attention to this on Rate Beer, Oh gosh. Did, yeah. Did, I mean, did you develop a sense for when one of the, those things was happening, I guess is my question. Yeah. I mean, uh, and, and gosh, we had data to analyze. So we were, and people, there were always huge arguments about what was a style and what wasn't a style. Right. And gosh, it would take us a year to ratify a new style because of all the argumentation. Um, and, uh, um, you know, peep, some people, yeah, wanting a very clear um, uh, indication that this was here to stay before uh, the style was adopted into the, our canon, you know. Um, I was kind of on the other end of things. Uh, I wanted to put styles in as soon as I could sure. um, to be on the front end of, of uh, uh, trends and whatnot. But... Um, uh, I'll, you know, I didn't run the site as a, as a, uh, you know, solo. Uh, like I didn't uh, just work work as a dictator. I kind of listened to uh, to all my experts. That's so tough. we were usually a lot slower to adopt new um, styles. But um, but yeah, it's uh, that that sort of proliferation of um, what beer was going to become. Um, and gosh, I'm, I think, you know, some of the other beer rating sites have seltzers on them because they don't see any distinction between beer and these types of beverages, um, or it's narrowed, you know, um, yeah. that there's certainly a lot of brewers making them, um, that I guess all that started, uh, I think around that period you mentioned of, um, 
let's make styles that no one needs and no one wants. <laughs> well, I think the idea from Brewers was, I remember this happening, and I remember openly mocking it uh, as a starving artist guy who was trying to sell people Pilsner that nobody wanted, um, yeah. was, uh, you know, I'm going to do this because I don't think anyone else has. That was the right. drive, of yeah. course. Right. Everybody was explorers, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 with varying degrees of of, of skill to execute, yeah. and um, you know, and I, I man, I, I remember standing around, you know, as a in my late twenties, um, so the tail end of the two thousands, and saying, I, I just don't think this is sustainable. <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh, yeah, what is going to happen? Um, and as it turns out, it's not that much different. It just happens a little bit faster, I think. Um, so uh, you, 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 you push rate beer into this, or push, you support, you, you do all you can for rate beer um, until it, by hook or crook or, or, or luck or sweat of the brow, becomes something that truly does influence um, particular American, but it sounds like even international beer culture, uh, how people see beer, how they share information about it, from whom they get their information. Um, and at some point, uh, you know, rate beer is sold. It became a big topic of conversation among uh, brewers, certainly craft brewers. Um, I think a lot of what people said about it and say when they talk about it now was ill-informed, I'll say. Um, and what the mission of rate beer uh, is now from what it used to be uh, was a big um, topic of conversation, but I don't really see any practical difference at this remove. Um, I wondered how that changing of the guard affected you um, and what your perspective was on, on all of that. Oh, yeah. That's, um, uh, I mean, it was one of these things where, um, gosh, I had realized for many years that uh, running the site solo was not something I can do and um, hiring people like I'd hire people as contractors to get little jobs done here and there sure. um, that I I was kind of done with that as well it was just too much work um, and all you know I was at work all the time um, and adding more work like festivals or whatever was not really an option um, it was just way too much so I was uh, looking for like investors who could also lend help and uh, um, it brought something to the table and sort of, gosh, it took years of kind of um, jumping from one romance to the next. Mm -hmm. um, it, it was, uh, gosh, it was, we were so close to signing with several different folks and for whatever reason, usually uh, this whole uh, this whole need to have someone be able to help um, like uh, develop it and manage it kind of fell through. So um, yeah, that's why we chose this unlikely uh, partner in Anheuser-Busch and that they had the resources. They had a whole tech team to, um, to kind of, you know, uh, start working immediately. And um, yeah, it's it's one of these things too that the uh, the 
I thought that the the market was mature enough. Uh, I think for so many years we had seen this um, division between big beer and craft beer, and um, and how every there were good guys and bad guys and um, <laughs> all of that, and that lasted, gosh, um, uh, until I think maybe 2011, 2012, when I started yeah. first hearing people on the web uh, on the website talk about, you know how they're signing with an Anheuser-Busch distributor, um, how, you know, no longer are these like, um, uh, they're called shady practices of, uh, well, they are, they're illegal practices of like, uh, that distributors would use um, at retailers um, that uh, they're now being used by, you know, regional craft brewers as well. Hundred <laughs> um, percent. So it, you know the world was different. Um, yeah. There was no. There was a lot of gray lines, and um, I, I think after a few years of, of that, understanding that we're kind of all in the same gang, and it's not. Um, I don't know. I, I I was feeling a little. Um, I'd heard a lot of like classist statements about people who. Um, drink you know commoners beer and <laughs> i knew several brewers who drank the stuff and, yes. and i would drink the stuff occasionally and and um yeah it, it was just this i don't know this uh i'd come around to to considering them as a partner because of this kind of new age in beer and yes. i thought we had received less of um uh, of a kind of um backlash because of uh, uh, starting this new um, um, relationship with with uh, ZX Ventures, which is an arm of um, AB InBev. But uh, but yeah, it was it was pretty strong and it was uh, it was a, uh, pretty immediate from our inside group. Uh, I know we didn't tell the world for, I don't know, six, eight months after. But of course, I told all our insiders and um yeah they had pretty strong reactions there was also a lot of support but um yeah. but yeah it was uh it was a time of uh, pretty huge adjustment um at the same time uh i was getting that feedback on the flip side there were a lot of these problems that were immediately solved like um uh problems with search problems with the site going down because we were basically running it on a hamster wheel uh, because of our budget. And um, so, you know, there was all this help and um, I could go home and sleep at night, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah. knowing that uh, if the site went down, there was some kind of service that would that would um, wake up or, or uh, was right there to keep the site going. Well, that must have felt like a weight off your shoulders without question. Huge. <laughs> Huge. Yeah. And after so long of like um, trying to find the support, because uh, that was like another job uh, unto itself was was uh, looking for the help, which, um, you know, often meant travel and, you know, bring my laptop just in case something happens. And um, yeah. Oh, man. Wow. So this entire journey for you, 
is over the span of what? What is it fair to say? Fifteen years? Oh gosh, no. It, I mean, I joined Rate Beer in two thousand one, so it's been over two, twenty years. Um, years. And it's it was kind of one of these things where, gosh, yeah, as a person, the internet uh, uh, interested in internet technologies and um, kind of doing software stuff. A lot of these startups were they'd last um, 18 months, sure. you know, two years, whatever. So it was hopping jobs like this for, um, for pretty much my career and, uh, to kind of settle into this thing and, uh, be here for this long. It's like, wow. Um, what a, what a weird, wild journey. So what is, what are you interested in now? And do you know what is next for you now, or are you enjoying where you are, or both? Gosh, I'm definitely enjoying where I am. It's just, uh, um, you know, we had to move out of the California market because we couldn't buy a home with the uh, <laughs> with what we'd sold right beer for. So we moved to Oregon, and I've just been loving it here. It's really amazing. The uh, it's um, I get out in nature a lot. It's uh, yeah, still working from home, which is great. I've got a, a kid who's in high school, and um, to to like uh, kind of be there with him as he's growing up has been great wow. um, by working from home. But it's uh, um, yeah, next steps certainly something's some something's coming soon. I don't know what. I'm kind of open to uh, to everything at this point. Um, I certainly love beer. I, I kind of wonder if uh, if either it or I'm beyond some inflection point in, in which uh, I can't carry on with it. But uh, but yeah, um, I've got a lot of uh, I don't know. We'll see. Um, I'm definitely uh, uh, one of the things I'm doing. Uh, I've had a bunch of hobbies during this period as well, um, just because. You know, who's ever operating on the site just wants to um, uh, keep me away from the code. But right. uh, uh, so, yeah, I've been um, growing mushrooms at home, which has been awesome. Staring oh, at my lab right now. And um, it's uh, it's sort of like homebrewing, but uh, yeah. with different yeast. <laughs> so these are uh, microorganisms. Yeah. You're, you're one of us, right? Uh, one of the people that needs something to do. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And let's, yeah, let's kind of just blow it out and see what we can do. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's fun, man. That's where the, you never know what you're capable of until you don't give yourself another option, right? Exactly. Um, Joe, I know that there are at least dozens of things uh, that we could continue on with, but um, I think this is probably a good place um, to end at least this episode. Yeah. Um, and thank you uh, so much for taking your time out. I mean, these, uh, you know, folks like you are who I am trying to speak to. I don't know if this uh, podcast will reach 10 or 100 or 1,000 people, but uh, I'm, I'm very thankful for your time. Oh, my gosh. Thanks so much for the opportunity. And, um, yeah, best of luck with the show. Thanks uh, to to John for for the invite. We've been trying to hook up for years. Um, one day I'll make it out to to Michigan and we can um, have a beer together. 
That sounds like an excellent plan. An excellent plan. Joe, again, thank you so much for your insight. And uh, I will look forward to speaking to you again sometime soon. Sounds good. All Have right. a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Cheers. Cheers.